Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Welcome to another podcast episode with me, your host, Brittany. I am so happy to have you joining me today. Um, We are talking all things fasting today, and I actually don't think I've done a... um, one episode that's like been devoted to fasting. And if you've listened over the years or you follow me on social media, you know that I've definitely played around with fasting and tried different um, different ways of doing it. But I've never really gone deep into the science of it and yeah, with an expert, let alone, yeah, not just myself. Um, so that's what we're doing today. And I have Andre Pesto, which I cannot pronounce his name properly because I don't have a cool accent um, on the podcast today. He's an author, biohacker, and entrepreneur. And he has a new book coming out called Mastering Fasting. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Um, Okay, so let's start with your background. So anyone who identifies as a biohacker makes me super excited. Um, How did you get into biohacking from the beginning? Hmm. Okay, Uh, this I'm going to have to wind back to late 2015 is Mm -hmm. when I first got diagnosed with uh, a crippling autoimmune disease, actually. Mm -hmm. And... uh, multiple sclerosis to be more exact. And at that point, I wasn't leading a healthy lifestyle, but something made me decide to not pursue the conventional path, the conventional treatment plan, but to, I, I think it was denial. Like I was in denial that I, I, I was in denial that I'm actually sick. So what mm. I did instead is I started researching everything related to being healthy and uh yeah uh i i i i started working my way back from the extreme like mm. let's say like illegal russian treatments extreme how to treat <laughs> <laughs> how to treat uh, multiple sclerosis but somewhere along the way i realized that maybe an illegal russian treatment isn't the right answer that maybe just maybe I should uh, switch my lifestyle up and be healthy, whatever healthy meant in, in that context. Right. So I started learning everything about health and functional health that I could. And when I started applying these fundamentals over the years, uh, I got better. And as I got better, uh, and as I did get better, slowly, step by step, uh, people around me started noticing it. And people often... And since I was I was reading a lot, I was dedicating myself to these studies. Uh, when people started asking me about their ailments, or like tell, started telling me about their, their ailments, I always had some like kind of recommendations in my head. And it's just like I, I was biohacking for myself as much as I was biohacking to like I, I didn't call it biohacking then, but mm-hmm. I was doing this all just for the people around me. And it was it was a it's been a long taunting process step by step, 
but then I, I guess I started thinking about this as biohacking when I actually got better after I actually got better after I, uh, I didn't have any symptoms anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, multiple sclerosis is a, is a condition that conventionally does not have a treatment. I mean, you cannot, it cannot be cured per se, uh, cause the conventional approach is you're going to be put on immunosuppressants and, uh, you're going to be, the symptoms are going to be masked as long as they can be while in reality on the background, your condition worsens and until to the point of no return, you know? Right. So you're you're basically on uh, it, it it's it's a yeah it's it's a sentence so to say, mm-hmm. so uh, but I'm completely symptom free now and uh, this is now I consider it biohacking because I feel better and I'm experimenting with all these things and I'm just like <laughs> really into it for the for like the novelty of it and just to like help other people around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine was pretty like similar in terms of doing or trying biohacking without calling it that, I guess. And then like finding this word and this definition and being like, oh, like that's kind of what I've been doing for so long, Um, which is really interesting. But for people who have multiple sclerosis themselves or know people who do, um, and you talk about like these fundamental things that you did that reduced your symptoms. Can you just like briefly mention a few of them for the listeners? Sure. Um, just as context, um, the onset of multiple sclerosis could be literally anything. I have a, I have quite a few ideas where which could have caused uh, it for me but it's different for every person mm-hmm. it's it's multiple sclerosis is a disease of uh, inflammation mostly so you need to get uh, get rid of inflammation systemic inflammation and uh, everything that's balancing and grounding uh, for you as for for you holistically is going to help you with this. So it's 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 a lame answer, but honestly, these really simple, uh, the the easiest things, the simple things are going to do eighty percent of the work. Just get enough sun, go outside, stop stressing, learn how to meditate, actually do grounding. Uh, if you can go for long walks, bare feet in the nature, this stuff just works and it compounds and it starts building uh on like on all your habits and when you start leading a more balanced life and of course like nutrition is all stop putting inflammatory foods in your in in your system well these things are gonna compound and they're gonna balance your system out in the end and uh, you might even be well enough to to see uh, the remission of symptoms if if it's more acute uh, things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy help uh, actually playing with the thermogenesis cold and hot helps mm-hmm. a lot and uh, yeah you have you have like more fringy treatments as well but those should be like uh, left to working with professionals you know yeah yeah i really like that because it's a focus on holistic living and and lifestyle rather than 
you know, a specific product or supplement or like mm-hmm. one quick fix type of thing. Um, like I've, I've had my inflammation markers checked multiple times and they're, and they're good, but I've had other concerns and a lot of the way that I go about healing is the same thing. It's like getting into the sun, cold showers, you know, sauna daily, like those types of things that actually really move the needle compared to uh, something that's just quick. There is no quick fixes when it comes to like these kinds of systemic things, you know. Mm-hmm. And also as today's topic, fasting did play a role in it, definitely. It wasn't, it's not the magic cure. It's not what fixed me from multiple sclerosis, but it definitely played an important part in it and which is also why I got so into it yeah exactly so I was gonna I was gonna ask you so you know on this biohacking journey how did you get to fasting like what did that transition look like um so honestly (laughs) (laughs) I actually did not mean I didn't even plan to write a book on fasting I, it just started out as a social post, then it went to on to being an article, then a, like a longer article essay, then it was supposed to be a course. And after two years of research on and off and writing, I was suddenly, I suddenly had a book. <laughs> and wow. so it was a surprise for me as well. And I, I, it just, I got really in deep into it you know because when I was first uh, battling with multiple sclerosis I did try fasting I tried fasting for some periods when I got better but I didn't stick with it you know I didn't grasp the concept that well so I started studying fasting more closely uh, uh, in 2018 and I was looking around the web and everything trying and buying books and listening to podcasts and all but every Everywhere I looked for some things, I didn't either, I didn't find the information to be correct. I didn't find uh, maybe someone was like too bullish on it or like uh, too bullish on the uh, all the benefits and were like overhyping it. Or they, people didn't talk about how fasting is different for men and women and all the caveats that you need to think of. And in, in general, I didn't find that the, there was like, good quality information out in there out there you know on fasting Mm -hmm. so and once i started researching it in like more in depth the more i saw this the more like i i did not agree like the research i was looking at and what the uh what a lot of people were saying about fasting these things didn't match even if like somebody was dissecting a fasting study on YouTube and when you actually go look at the study and the results and everything, these things didn't like add up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 what I wanted to do is I wanted to go through as many different fasting books, as many resources, podcasts, interviews, uh, papers as I possibly could, and then do my own summary, my own overview, like what's actually been proven, what actually works, uh, and and from from a balanced perspective not that i really want to hype everyone on fasting and sell them like a fasting supplement or something you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense so before we get into like your tips and recommendations for fasting mm-hmm. how are you currently fasting in your life right now i 
I mentioned at the beginning that I I work back from the extremes. <laughs> so that's what I've done with fasting as well. I jumped right into doing uh, five to seven day fasts and I did one meal a day for a year. And uh, now I've been doing it like for like actively knowing what fasting is and thinking about it and like uh knowingly making decisions in my life based around fasting for like let's say three and a half years now and uh, at the moment I it's it's a it's a tool it's a habit it's a tool so I I'm taking it way more loosely you know it's mm-hmm. it, I'm not too rigid about it uh, I do the 16 8 Every once in a while, I do a three-day fast or a five-day fast. But if uh, when I go into this, like, or, or a 24-hour fast, but when I go into these fasts and I just don't feel like it for some reason, I listen to my body. So then I just quit. I stop, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, 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 I'm really trying to go with my gut feeling with these things. And since right now I'm focused on uh, working out, focused on my training, then sometimes the fasting just doesn't work with my training windows at times and like with work and everything. So on those days, I just skip fasting. So if I do it like four or five days out of the week, I'm good. So what I'm saying is you don't need to be religious about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's so interesting that you kind of try different things and then see how you feel um, and kind of go go from there. I can't believe you did uh, one a day for a year. That's like, or one meal a day. That's crazy. That's, that's a, that's a lot of fasting. <laughs> yeah. And at that point I was actually uh, a vegan because I was vegan for seven years up until last year. So um, I, I did one meal a day as a vegan and I was trying to build muscle. So I had to get like 3,000, 3,200 calories in wow. during a sitting. <laughs> Jeez. I can only imagine and vegan. Wow. The food that yeah. you ate yeah. in one sitting. Yep. The, the mounts yeah. were huge. Um, yeah. But after, after one meal a day, but the one meal a day served me well because at that point, I was working a lot, and it was just convenient that I go to the office, I'm focused, and then at 5 p.m. I'm home, I quickly prepare my meals. From 6 to 7 p.m. I eat, that's my eating hour, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so, so, so it worked. I had like good focus, clear, clear mind and everything, and a lot of energy. And after that, I uh, moved on to like this... Uh, what's it called this uh, warrior diet so it's mm. like 20 hours uh fasting window four hour eating window so you could have like two meals within that one and wow. i started like yeah you know you know uh, working towards the 68 then i'd like to interrupt this podcast to ask you how can we go from being burnt out to calm and still highly productive Oof, what a question. I've definitely asked myself this as an entrepreneur. For me personally, I've been feeling very burnt out lately and overstimulated and so much so that when I take time off and go camping or go off grid, I can't really relax because I'm still thinking about work and still concerned about all of the things that I have to do. Thankfully, though, I can use magnesium to counteract the negative impacts of burnout and stress on my body. 
I'm currently using Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers, which is one of my favorite brands, and they've already been on the podcast. And this product combines seven types of magnesium for optimal absorption. This is the most complete magnesium supplement blend available on the market right now. It truly supports taking me from going from burnt out to a state of calm. I recommend everyone take magnesium, all of my clients, because we're all dealing with stress in one way or another. You can use my discount code BiohackingBrittany through the link in my show notes and on my website for 10% off from BioOptimizers. Give it a go and experience how calm and productive you can really feel. One last thing. For a limited time, BioOptimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and Mass Enzymes with select purchases. So definitely check them out through the link in my show notes. Right, right. And when you're fasting, like I know there's so much debate about this. Are you only having water or are you having coffee? Are you having bulletproof coffee? Like where do you stand on what you can actually have when you're not supposed to be eating? Mm -hmm. So this completely depends on what your goals are Mm. because and uh, why you're doing fasting in the first place. From the uh, perspective of uh, one of the mechanisms that fasting has to offer, autophagy, which is your body's own natural way of uh, cleaning itself. It's called the spring cleaning for the body, spring cleaning for the cells. It's a mechanism where your body catabolizes, that means eats up your old uh, and dysfunctional cells and recycles them for energy. It breaks them down into amino acids. Uh, people often mix up uh, autophagy with apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. They're not the same thing. And autophagy is a really healthy mechanism, and it's really good for you. And the process of autophagy also bolsters the protection for healthy cells. So um, if, if that's your goal, then uh, water fasting is the way to go. You can have black coffee. Uh, There's some debate around this. For example, a researcher, Sachin Panda, uh, says that black coffee is going to stop autophagy. But a lot of other researchers say that black coffee is going to boost autophagy. So it's difficult to tell where the the truth lies there, because I've looked at the studies and uh, when I was going that deep and trying to determine these things, it was a bit above my pay grade. So it was it was difficult to <laughs> difficult to understand why one researcher was saying one thing and another researcher was saying another thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and so so I think it comes down to personal preference. Black coffee, uh, but for me personally, black coffee, tea, and water is what I what I drink when I'm fasting. If you're doing it for uh, fat burning uh, or for like uh, a mental clarity, some focus effects and some healthful effects, and if you don't want to be drinking black coffee on in a fasted state, which uh, could uh, be uh, could be a risk factor for some people, either from a hormonal perspective or from a gut perspective, 
then having a bulletproof coffee is the next best thing. And I sometimes have black coffee, sometimes I have bulletproof coffee, and it, it's 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 a preference. But bulletproof coffee is definitely going to stop autophagy because it has calories in it. And as soon as you even it's it's gonna prompt an insulin response somewhat on some level you know Mm -hmm. and it's gonna stop autophagy because you put calories in your body Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you're doing it for uh for like uh reasons where you wanna want to balance your body and want to heal certain diseases then i I don't think bulletproof coffee is 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 the perfect choice then i would go for water and herbal teas in that case yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense I did intermittent fasting for a long time um, and was doing 16-8 and would have bulletproof coffee very often in the morning um, or just black coffee and then kind of start eating food around noon or like solid food around noon. Um, But I like I love fasting and I love the convenience of it. But I like, because I've been having like hormonal issues, I've started to like in the last year or so move away from it and do, and try and have breakfast more often and like have an appetite in the morning, which I feel like I kind of lost because I was fasting for so long. So, and I know you kind of talk about this in your book, but for females who are of reproductive age, what do you recommend for fasting? Because there's so much debate about this and the recommendations for men are just not applicable for women because obviously our hormones are so delicate and we have to be more careful. Yes, definitely. There's a huge difference there. And uh, there's, as as you, you're well aware, the research, we don't have much research about fasting on females. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mostly just anecdotal. There is some research but what seems to be the case is that 16, 8, so 12 to 16 hours daily intermittent fasting is fine for men. And if you want to do it for long term, for women, it's recommended 10 to 14 hours intermittent fasting daily. Uh, women can definitely do longer fasts, 24 hours, 3 days, 5 days. But these should be done in a line with uh, women's hormonal cycles. Mm-hmm. So, and there should be strictly no fasting leading uh, during the uh, week or two weeks leading up to your period. Mm-hmm. So the luteal phase, luteal phase should, you should avoid any, all kinds of stress. Uh, try not to do any long form fasting. And it's even like, depending on how you feel, uh, mm-hmm. you should listen to your body you you should maybe even stay away from intermittent fasting if it doesn't work for you mm-hmm. uh, during that period and um, after then uh, the week after uh, uh, the period that's the best week uh, when to experiment with fasting so that was the follicular phase uh, am mm-hmm. i pronouncing that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah you are yeah. So, and that that's the best time to uh, that because that's the period when that's the time frame when women's uh, hormones most women resemble men hor- most hormonally, and at that time you can get a you can get away. Maybe it's not a good word, but you can get away with uh, with more fasting. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, because yeah, like 
making that comparison of like your hormones are most like male hormones, you know, right after your period. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to be careful with it. And for women, it's also depending on your cycle, right? Like if you have irregular cycles or you're dealing with something like PCOS or endometriosis, like you have to be careful about overstressing the body. And mm -hmm. like, like you said, like, especially when your period's coming and you're already, you know, maybe you have PMS going on and you're already not feeling good. And then to add extra stress by not nourishing yourself, like just does not make sense. Yeah. Um, and, and it, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's also that uh, a lot of people say that women can do fasting during their period, which is very individual. Mm. I mean, you can certainly do it if you feel fine doing it more towards the end of your period. But like a lot of people do not actually feel good on their period. But that's a whole different issue that needs to be addressed while you're not actually feeling too well because like... You, sh you shouldn't be feeling bad during that period. Yeah. I mean, during your period, like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever fasted during my period, maybe a few years ago, but like, it's just a different time and you feel super like grounded and slow and like in your body. And it's actually a really nice time um, because like, it's just part of being female and you just kind of lean into it. So to do something stressful again, or to push yourself, it's like, same mm -hmm. with like, working out too hard on your period, like going to a spin class or like doing lots of hit, like that's also not recommended because your body just needs to be grounded and not be stressed anymore. And also if you look at the cultural or like historical, if you look at this from a cultural or a historical perspective, mm -hmm. in cultures that practice uh, or in religions that practice fasting, women on their period, even during times of fasting, are exempt, for example, during Ramadan. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's 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 very individual. And uh, my recommendation is people need to get more in, fine, more in tune, both men and women, with their bodies. And just listen, try to listen and try to see how you're feeling feeling and how things are working for you because we have enough stress in in the modern environment anyway uh work stress money stress mm -hmm. uh just uh, even even all kinds of good stress like exercise sauna cold whatever it's it's still stress and it's all gonna compound on you and you can uh, blow a fuse let's say yeah Exactly. Yeah. One size definitely doesn't fit all for, for, uh, for fasting. So if someone's listening and they've never fasted before and they've heard about it and they're willing to like give it a go, um, where can they start, even though it's so individualized, like how can they kind of get going with it? So there's, since intermittent fasting, uh, 10 to 14 hours, let's say for women and 12 to 16 hours for men, it's, you could say that it's actually like a normal eating rhythm. It's it's nothing extreme. So you could do that daily for the rest of your life, kind of. So you can just jump right into it. The way I explain it is if like people think, people are scared into thinking that as soon as you go hungry, the sky's going to fall down on you, the world's going to end, you're going to wither away and die. 
<laughs> but if you, if you look at it from uh, like an evolutionary perspective, it doesn't make much sense. So why, what is the sensation of hunger? The sensation of hunger is to tell your body that it's time to start looking for food. Now, if you feel, if your body tells you that it's time to start looking at food, but then you lost all your energy and will to live, well, the human species wouldn't have made it too far. We're actually built, we're actually meant to go for pretty long periods uh, without food, without mm-hmm. eating. And we're capable of that. And uh, which is why we store fat for energy for later use. So I, 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 would, th- I would say that like uh, sometimes fasting is like referred to as an eating disorder. I would say like eating every waking minute is the disordered eating, not fasting which is like, uh, which is everywhere in nature, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so jumping right into 10 to 14 hours, 12 to 16 hours, it's completely fine. It's safe. You have uh, something in your, like your body has something called the circadian rhythm, which uh, which is something that every living organism possesses. And it, it's a rhythm that regulates your day and night cycles and your hormone cycles. Mm-hmm. both for men and women. Uh, women have an additional rhythm called the infradian rhythm, which is the 26 to 32 day uh, hormone cycle. But like, yeah, men only have the uh, circadian rhythm, but women also have the circadian rhythm. And this circadian rhythm just, uh, because like your body is, I'm sorry, I'm long-winded with here, but I'm getting to a point. <laughs> your body is a predictive mechanism. So if you're ever traveled long distances, and experience jet lag it takes you a couple of days to get used to uh, like a completely flipped day night cycle and uh, that's kind of the same with fasting at the beginning you are gonna st- be hungry but don't be afraid of that hunger because you're not gonna nothing's bad gonna happen to you and if you start eating around a new certain time each day let's say you eat at 10 a.m and you stop mm-hmm. eating at uh, 6 p.m. as a man then your body's gonna get used to this and you're not actually gonna be hungry outside of the eating window yes you're gonna be hungry for the first two weeks when your your whole system is getting used to this but after your body has learned its new feeding cycles eating cycles then you're not gonna be hungry outside your eating windows and uh, th- that's the good part because you get used to this stuff. So it's really mm-hmm. safe to just just jump in. You're going to have to power through the first week, depending on people, maybe two. <laughs> and uh, that's fine. But, but sometimes it's also, if you want to take things to the extreme, uh, plan, try to find a less stressful stretch of three days in your calendar. Uh, plan it accordance with your cycle if you're a woman. And uh, just jump straight into a three-day fast. See if mm-hmm. you can do it. It's it's also a mental experience because you're gonna if you've never fasted for three days before or even twenty-four hours, it's it's gonna put some things into perspective. You're gonna feel some sensations that you might have not felt, uh, like you might have not felt before, and uh, felt before. Sorry, yeah, and uh, and just like. Go, go through the experience. And after that, transitioning to a daily intermittent fast is really easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I will say that 
you get very accustomed to fasting very quickly. Um, you just like, yeah, you get so used to not eating, waking up, not eating, um, or depending on the window that you choose as well. Um, but honestly, like, you know, we naturally fast when we're sleeping anyway. Right. So like you're already fasting for like maybe eight hours, if not more, assuming that you don't eat right before you go to sleep. So maybe you're already fasting for 10 hours and it's just kind of extending that for two hours and starting there as a point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you can just like comfortably extend it from there even. Yeah. Or, or, Or a life hack for you if you're like, like to sleep a lot then just like sleep through the 14 hours and eat when you wake yeah. up <laughs> yeah if this one's obviously a joke try not to sleep for 14 hours yeah exactly um are there any people who talk to you about fasting or in your book that you don't recommend should try fasting so like obviously if you have you know hormonal issues as a woman maybe but outside of that are there certain people that you just don't think it's good for People that have uh, diagnosed eating disorders should be, uh, or like previously have had diagnosed eating disorders, should be really careful with fasting because um, you can get carried away. And uh, I've come across quite a bit, uh, quite a few cases where I've seen that people fall, uh, fall off their bandwagon when trying to do fasting in that case. Also, Mm people with certain conditions such as type 1 diabetes should look into fasting in different ways. I know there are groups of people who do have type 1 diabetes, but they have successfully implemented fasting in their lives and certain doctors who deal with this stuff, but it's very specific. So people who have type 1 diabetes should uh, be careful not do it, not jump straight into it and try to find more information on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you raise a good point about that. And, oh, and, and pregnant. Yeah, pregnant. And pregnant. Women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was the initial one that I was thinking of. Mm. Um, is there any research on like pregnant women fasting? I mean, I guess there's like hardly any research on woman fasting in general, let alone pregnant women. I I would I don't think there is. I I would I would figure it's not ethical to actually do uh, yeah. an experiment like that. Yeah, yeah, so, that makes so sense. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe in some form, but then again, like going back to the cultural, uh, cultural thing in the same, uh, same religions that uh, have do have fasting, as are pe- as are women who are on their period exempt during fasting pe- fasting periods. So are pregnant women, mm-hmm. and I would say that at that point, don't worry about fasting because you. You need the food, you need to be eating, you need the calories, you need the good foods to raise a healthy, well-fed, well-nourished baby. I'd love to quickly interrupt this podcast to ask you, do you know your biological age? Do you know your current hormone, vitamin, and mineral levels? Honestly, it's hard to know what's going on internally without getting tested. And traditionally, you'd have to go through your doctor or your healthcare provider to order these tests, go into a lab, and it would be a whole ordeal. Um, and it would, <laughs> it would take a while as well. For me personally, this has always been a hurdle for understanding what is actually going on and how to optimize my biomarkers and even know my biological age in the first place. 
Thankfully, though, we can order a at-home test from Inside Tracker that lets us do this. It tests for your biological age, your hormone, mineral, and vitamin levels. This is a very, very comprehensive test that lets you get a ton of data from a single kit without having to go to a doctor or go to a lab or really leave your house. If you're looking for the ultimate blood test, try Inside Tracker, which includes testing 43 different biomarkers and the option to test your inner age and your DNA. You can use my discount code BiohackingBritney for 25% off all of their products, and you can go through there uh, through the link in my show notes or my website and get tested today. Yeah, no kidding. Lots of nutrient-dense food, yeah. which tends to be calorically dense as well. Um, but I think you raise a good point about the eating disorders. And whenever I promote specific things on on social media, like sometimes I'll have that disclaimer. Um, if you've had an eating disorder or you you know have even had thoughts around it and not necessarily been diagnosed. Um, doing something like intermittent fasting can make you just more obsessed with what you're eating, what your body looks like, and like controlling that. And it just amplifies the feelings of like, my body is something I need to control rather than like, it's a gift and I like, you know, I support it. I love it. And it's here for me, like that whole narrative. So yeah, I'm really glad you say that. And I'm assuming you talk about that in your book as well. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. It's mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course you mentioned some of the benefits for fasting, but is there any benefits that would surprise people or you found surprising when you were going through the research for fasting? Uh, fasting, you could actually use fasting and, uh, to enhance muscle growth for men, for example, Hmm. it's, uh, it's because you would think you're restricting yourself, but fasting actually helps uh, men ready their hormones for, uh, for 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 a like a nice bodybuilding session. In a sense, during a fasted period, you're uh, even. I think it was like 20, 20 hours into a fast already. Uh, the um, free testosterone in the body goes up by one hundred and eighty-seven percent. I think that wow. was it. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, also, what's even more impressive is during a five-day fast, uh, the growth hormone uh, can go up to fivefold. Even hmm. you do lose because fasting is an uh, anti-catabolic state, which means you don't okay. lose muscle when fasting. Your muscle mass is protected. Uh, then uh, you you do learn lose a certain bit of muscle, but not nearly enough. Like it's almost nothing compared to uh, just caloric restriction, and research done by Dr. Walter Longo, in his words, then supported that you gain this lost muscle back very quickly, and uh, uh, and uh, after after breaking your fast, when you when your growth hormone is uh, up fivefold, then launching into like a heavy muscle building session uh, is going to yield some good results. Hmm. But what's also is uh, when talking about training, it's uh, this is like more anecdotal as well. But uh, between the difference between men and women and training and fasting is that uh, men 
can go into like a training session fasted like let's say fasted for four hours or fasted uh for longer even uh, if you start doing uh, muscle building, uh, like heavy heavy compound lifts, something it's 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 best that you you can do a warm up fasted uh, or so sort of like uh, cardi like low intensity cardio to take uh, ben- to get to benefit from the uh, the fat burning benefits of fasting of being in a fasted state. But when you launch into like a weightlifting session after then have uh, like a protein shake or some essential amino acids or something because you're going to get better results then. Mm. Uh, but for but from a fat burning perspective for women, for example, let's say you train at 6 p.m. If if when men, tra- men train at 6 p.m., uh, now talking about the evening, and they want to burn fat, they can. They, they should not eat four hours before training. It, it's not should not eat, but it's it's gonna boost their fat burning. But for women, it's better if they do eat before the training session, like a protein bar, or snack bar, or something at least get some calories in, and not eat after. But for men, is don't eat before and have a protein shake after. But there's a, like a lot of nuance there because. Uh, the uh, there's there's a myth when it comes to gaining mass is the uh, what what is this in, insulin window or something that you have a thirty minute window that, uh, that it's myth that's going on in the gym so you have to consume calories right away well it it's it seems like you're gonna get like an initial spike an insulinogenic response right after training which is uh, okay fine you can eat the foods there. But then the then the uh, insulin levels are gonna go lower. But if you still haven't eaten like two hours after training, this like insulin response starts going. The curve starts going higher, and then it, you're in a way better state to eat protein, eat some foods, eat for mass, uh, eat for mass than you were right after the training. So so there's a lot of nuance there, and depending on what kind of training you're doing, what your goals are, you can like. Uh, build around this and I've it, it, it's it's a it's a concept with a lot of nuance but I've dedicated the whole chapter on this uh, for men and women both so you can like work around there and, yeah. and and figure it out what what the best solution for you is yeah I I like that you again are like specific based on females versus males um because that's that's really important it's really interesting what is the impact of intermittent fasting on cortisol levels in the morning um so in the morning you're supposed to get a cortisol response anyway you don't want your cortisol to be fat lined it's a stress hormone Mm -hmm. but uh it's a stress hormone that you need it's going to wake you up in the morning and it's going to set you to it's going to help you fall asleep later during nighttime Mm-hmm. So, if when you're fasting, your cortisol does go up, it's it it's an effect of fasting. You're gonna be a bit more stressed. Your body is body is gonna be a bit more stressed. So you do have a even like some you might have some people have cortisol spikes before falling falling asleep in bed mm-hmm. uh, as well, and that's gonna keep some people awake in the morning. Uh, I I'm gonna I don't know I don't remember specifically right now what happens with cortisol in the morning but to uh, answer around this I would uh, one other thing that I would recommend for like healthy sleep cycles is when you get out of bed in the morning just 
you want that cortisol spike as soon as possible. So mm -hmm. you should go outside and uh, just be in natural light for 30 minutes or something. Natural light uh, in your eyes. Just walk around. And uh, even if it's cloudy, this cortisol spike is going to wake you up and it's going to help you align. This, this cortisol spike is going to wake up, then it's going to kickstart all the other hormonal mechanisms the vital ones and it's going to help you fall to sleep later at night and get a good night of sleep after. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I try and do as well. And I'm sure like most people listening, uh, also try that. So if people are interested in your book or want to connect with you, um, where can they go and how, how can they do that? Oh, sure. Uh, the book is called Mastering Fasting the hard way, but made simple for everybody. And uh, they can find the book on masteringfasting.com or they could uh, find the links to it from my socials, which are at Andri Petro on Instagram. And that's the platform I'm most active on right now. I don't have a Twitter. I've never gone into Twitter. <laughs> so in Instagram is the way to find me. Cool. Awesome. I will definitely add that to the show notes so people can check out your book and learn more um, and also connect with you. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was great fun. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.